0: Just go to Indeed.com slash Blue Wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash Blue Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, RotoViz radio listener, this is Curtis Patrick from the Dynasty Command Center podcast, and I've got a special deal for you today. Go to RotoViz.com, click the subscribe button. The time delivers, perfectly downfield, touchdown, Patrick Mahomes with a rope. This one, and touchdown. This time going deep for Beckham Jr.
1: Hello and you're listening to Road of His Overtime and Road of His Radio. My name is Colin Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. I'm joined as always by my co-host here on the show. One of the co-owners of Road of His, it is Sean Siegel. We are also going to be joined on today's show, which I'm very excited about by C.D. Carter, uh, who you can follow on Twitter at C.D. Carter 13. We be lots of fun conversations coming up. Usually we do a little bit of a, an intro, a little bit of a talk before we get into the guest, but I think uh, this one's going to be a lot of fun. So uh, so we're just going to get straight into it. Uh, Denny, welcome along to the show. Thanks for jumping on
2: thanks guys for for having me i uh i'm, I'm always always glad to, to join you know fellow zero rb truthers
1: yeah i was going to say this probably isn't going to be one for the robust uh, rb community but uh, <laughs> hopefully, hopefully everyone else is going to enjoy it uh, i'll start off i uh, give the guest the floor first we did talk on tuesday's podcast a little bit about sean's team and how that draft went uh, for him from his perspective but how are you happy with the team? Are you, you know, Sean thinks you've pretty much sewn up here with your start. But, uh...
2: <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm not. I'm not disappointed with how it worked out. Um, you know, I I started with Tyreek Hill and, and Calvin Ridley, and uh, in the first two rounds, I got a lot of questions about why did I take Ridley over AJ Brown, and that's fair. You know, like I, I'm like everybody else. I'm bullish on AJ Brown. Um, for me the 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 difference and it's very small, uh, very small, and and I wouldn't blame anybody for just going you know, go ahead and, and taking AJ Brown over Ridley, but I'm assuming that Julio is gone, uh, and with that comes a huge um, you know a gap in targets, uh, uh, vacated targets, so um, that's that's kind of why I leaned leaned toward Ridley is just because I think his target upside, his opportunity upside. Um, eclipses A.J. Brown's, you know, A.J. Brown will probably dominate targets, but we're talking about a a Titans offense that will probably be less pass heavy than Atlanta. These are two of the most
3: efficient wide receivers in the NFL and, and guys we've seen do that for multiple seasons. One of the reasons why we think that they're superstars and they've really flourished, even when the volume hasn't been there. You mentioned the volume for Ridley. Does the fact that they have a more explosive offense and play in the dome, you know, have some other dome games besides that. Does that come into your calculation as well?
2: It doesn't hurt. It certainly doesn't hurt. Um, you know, I think Kyle Pitts, uh, you know, coming into that Atlanta offense, um, is certainly a good thing for Ridley. Um, you know, last year we saw defense is really key on, on Ridley when Julio was either gimpy or out, which was almost the entire year. Um, you know, he, he first hurt his hamstring in week two. So he, Julio dealt with that injury for a long time. So putting, uh, you know, another threatening pass catcher in that offense, I, I think, is, is excellent for, uh, you know, getting Ridley into more favorable uh, positions. But again, you know, the difference between Ridley and A.G. Brown, I think, is, is very small.
1: The part of your strategy that I was very interested in for the listeners listening that haven't seen it. I've after that it goes Edwards Alaire, then Jamar Chase, then Josh Allen, then Tyler Boyd. Uh, but we get to this part where you have Jamar Chase, Tyler Boyd, and Joe Burrow uh, of three of those six picks in a row. Um, yeah. Sean is quite uh, bullish on the the fact that the uh, Bengals are going to have three one thousand receivers this year. Uh, it seems like uh, you might be sitting in that <laughs> same area.
2: Yeah. You know, when, when, when Sean and Adam Levitan and other, you know, people I respect smart, smart guys in the industry say uh, look out for this offense, you know, they're, they're being undervalued overall uh, in fantasy drafts. I pay attention and, and I look into it a little further and I, I tend to agree. I, I, I felt like I did reach for, for Burrow here. Um, but I, I, I wanted to complete that stack and, You know, some. I think sometimes you just have to bite the bullet and say, "Okay, like, I, 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 I want to wait one more round, but if I miss on Burrow, I'm going to jump out a window. So uh, I'd rather, (laughs) I'd rather not jump out the window, and I'd, I'll just take Burrow. I'll hold my nose, take Burrow, and then move on from. Well, it's too bad that you had
3: to uh, felt you had to reach for him there because he was definitely the player I was hoping would get back to me in that round. Uh, I didn't feel like I could pass on Javante Williams in the previous round, but with Burrow going where you took him, then I wasn't as happy with my QB selections, what was left there. So I ended up doing the three QBs, which uh, as we talk about a lot, if you take them in the right zone, still very successful, you know, you probably prefer to have two really good ones instead. The one thing that we tend to do a little bit differently in these leagues that otherwise we have such a similar approach is perhaps at the tight end, you and I have very different tight end approaches here. Where I have Waller and Fant, uh, you have Jarwin and Ertz and uh, Herndon. Let's see, we gotta, we gotta check here. It is uh, Chris Herndon, yeah. So, did you feel and, and one of the things too, if you're in the spot that you had where you can choose Calvin Ridley or AJ Brown, you're probably not thinking, okay, well, you know, let's take a tight end, but if you don't get those tight ends early, it does completely change how you have to put it together. Is that something where, you know, if you had been in my spot, would you have looked at a tight end or is it really that you want to have those two wide receivers to start?
2: I feel more comfortable with the receivers. I will say, but again, you know, like this uh, idea, especially in best ball that you know, a, a lot of very smart, savvy fantasy analysts are, are saying and giving good reason for like your, your Roto Biz piece on Waller uh, for taking an elite tight end, uh, in the opening rounds, you know, um, even if it's a little bit of a little bit of a reach, you know, I've I've seen um, some analysts do that in best ball leagues. I think the, the one appealing part about that approach to tight end for me is that you then don't have to get, uh, you know, three. You don't have to have a three tight end build. You can you can just do the two tight ends, just like I took Josh Allen here, which is which is a, an atypical uh, pick for me um, in any format, but I, that allowed me to only take two quarterbacks, Burrow and Allen, um, which meant you meant that I could stock up on more receivers and running backs, um, especially running back where, you know, inherently I'm going to be weak. And, uh, you know, so I, I, I see, I see what you're doing. I, I love it. I wish I could pull the trigger on, on that too. Um, but you, you seem to feel strongly about Waller in particular.
3: Yeah. And, uh it'll be interesting to see if it works out. I like the fact that not just in terms of the points and he and Kittle, I think have basically identical points over the last two seasons and on a per game basis, I think there are fewer kind of red flags. You talked about the difference in, in volume for Brown and Ridley. I think we're going to see that with Waller and Kittle in terms of what they have going. And I was blown away by just the quality of Waller as a reality player last season. And I do like to really go after those guys. I've when i, mean, I I would think going into last season, it it seems like Kittle as the superstar is just so clear cut that Kittle and Travis Kelsey have gapped the rest of the league by such a a huge margin as reality players that you've got to give that a lot of preference in terms of how you're constructing your draft. I couldn't believe how Waller was destroying safeties and corners and and linebackers really even more than Kelsey and Kittle. I think someone who just cannot be covered in the secondary. So it it really is a matter of, you know, is is Derek Carr even – pedestrian and competent enough to make that work and last year he seemed to be
2: yeah you know there's a funny test that I kind of have in in my head with with real like real life NFL players not just the fantasy aspect is if my dad who is a casual NFL fan knows a guy's name uh that I that I don't think that he would know then I need to pay attention to that guy and Darren Waller (laughs) falls in that category where he 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 cited his name last season Oh well, the, the the Waller guy. You know, watch out for him. I said, Dad, you know Darren Waller. You know, because really, until uh, what last fall, Darren Waller was just a, a name among fantasy heads. You know, um, on on fantasy Twitter.
1: I was going to say he had he had eighteen receptions in his first three years before he like started for the Raiders sixteen games lot like, two seasons ago. So yeah. prior to that he just and obviously we know his previous issues off the feed. Um, but like he really has stepped up in a big way.
2: Yeah, so anyway, that that, that is something I pay attention to. When, when my dad knows Waller, we, we better all know Waller.
1: The other thing I was going to mention was when you were mentioning about the elite tight end approach, um, and you were saying, I just don't know if I can do it. That feels like a lot of conversations on Twitter when somebody's yes. like, I just can't, uh, I have to draft those running backs. So maybe, maybe next year's the year, uh, <laughs> Danny.
3: You mentioned Allen, and... That brings us into this interesting conversation of, of you and JJ are obviously the guys who are known for the streaming. Did the the way that QB played out last year and these hybrid QBs and the, the volume of them and this real sort of jump that we're seeing in terms of the scoring and what seems to be more of a sustainable trend than what we've seen where, you know, you have the huge Drew Brees season, you have the huge Aaron Rodgers season, Uh, You have a huge Patrick Mahomes season. Now Mahomes may be a guy who actually can do it without really the rushing. So he's more of that guy where you're thinking, well, can he be a multi-year Aaron Rodgers peak kind of player? People are drafting the quarterbacks earlier. You've drafted Allen in this league. Is is it changing how you look at that or you still prefer mostly to to stream and, and to look at individual weekly opportunities?
2: I uh, I listen when JJ uh, makes a proclamation on quarterbacks, and uh, you know, at the end of last season, we we had a live in the stream in which JJ laid out the argument uh, that uh, the traditional late round quarterback approach that we've used, the industry has used, I mean, fantasy managers at large have used for years now, five, six, seven years, uh, it might be on its way out. You know, not completely dead, but you know, on life support. Uh, so I think we do need to, to to change our approach. Another thing that kind of facilitates you know, my my changing approach at quarterback is uh, that if you are um, if you are committed to not taking running backs in the dead zone, um, and w- by that we usually mean rounds three to six, then you got to do something with those picks. And if you're in a league where Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson and Dak Prescott and Kyler Murray are falling into that zone, and you're and you've decided you're not going to take running back, and you're pretty good, at, you're 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 solid at wide receiver, maybe you got an elite tight end, you take the quarterback. It, you know, it doesn't it doesn't have to be that difficult. So I feel less bad about it if I really if I truly am committed to avoiding dead zone running. back.
1: Hey everyone, before I just want to take a moment to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle, a brand new program where you can host your own podcast here at Blue Wire. Hustle is created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you as part of the program you'll receive personal cover art Q&A's with blue wires top podcasters access to the community discord an e-learning course full of tips and tricks and on top of all of that we will help get your show pushed to Apple Spotify Google stitcher and all other listening platforms and the best part is you can get all this for only $15 a month the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup so whether you're starting from scratch or you have an existing show that you're Wanting to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling up your sports podcasting experience. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com forward slash join. Check out the description box in this episode for more information, but that's bwhustle.com slash join.
3: Denny, you gave me this great opportunity to answer some questions about Zero Running Back, you know, for the NBC. Readers, and i appreciate that so much that was of course that was fantastic uh Mm -hmm. you also have done some really cool stuff this year looking at just some different builds and that's one of the things that i love about the work that you do is really giving a chance to some different things explaining the strengths and weaknesses going through the different exercises showing to people you know how it would work what it would look like and you've talked some about robust running back and how uh these wide receivers in rounds four through six maybe are interesting enough that you could go with some running backs and then go with some wide receivers. And that comes out with a team that, that looks very good, looks very fun. One of the things Colin and I were talking about for the show earlier this week is that really for one of the first times ever, I like a lot of the guys going in round three for running back. And so what you did, what Scott did in the MFL 10 of death, where you go wide receiver, wide receiver, then running back, and then get back to wide receiver with some of those round three guys that actually looked pretty cool. If you're really dedicated to going running back, running back, then you would all obviously still have some running backs in round three that look pretty good. Go through that for us and, and explain to our listeners how robust running back would work, what it looks like for you, what you think about it for 2021.
2: Yeah. Well, so I, it was, it was a kind of a thought experiment and, uh, in, in, in the off season and the dead season, really for fantasy purposes that I wrote for NBC sports edge, um, you know, because um, there's always a lot of pushback on zero RB. Um, a lot of the pushback is, 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 you know, partly related to not, not really understanding the concepts. We'll get back to that in this conversation, I, I, I'm sure. Um, but I wanted to see, you know, what it would be like to actually go and and take running backs early and then, and then focus on receivers, you know, later in the draft. So, you know, I, I, I think, it's you know it kind of shook my confidence in C-R-R-B, As I told you, Sean, in in the in the NBC Sports Edge article, I said I did this experiment and I didn't hate it. I was expecting to hate it and I didn't. Uh, so you know, guys, you know, guys falling um, into into that like uh, range. I'm I'm looking at A.B. here. You know, both of the Rams receivers, for instance, I think Woods and and Cooper Cup are, are being you know underdrafted, and those are guys you can get easily. Um, after going running back in the first couple or, or, or first three rounds, um, you you know you have uh, Cortland Sutton, DJ Chark, um, you know maybe even someone like OBJ, uh, available there who you could who you could scoop up, um, if you go running back early. So, um, you know part of the argument against zero RB that I see, in, in, on Twitter a lot is that, why why, why would I take Ridley and, and Brown and and Tyreek Hill if I could just Wait to, to get these guys later later in the draft, um, and I didn't hate the way it turned out, honestly. But I do understand, you know, that the the concept uh, of building a robust RB team means that you are necessarily building a, a team that's very fragile and and uh, could could break at any moment.
3: In terms of robust running back in twenty twenty one, I think there are some formats in which it probably works very well for, and I think that. It, Certainly in terms of drafting a running back in the first round, you're really looking at almost like two completely separate drafts where the people in the first half of draft slots, it makes a lot of sense. The people in the second half, it's pretty devastating because one of the things that I, I mention a lot, because I, I do think that it matters, is that if you take running backs in that range, not only are you getting worse players and using a construction that we know has some real flaws, But you're chasing the people who drafted running backs earlier, you're giving up points, and you're not even punishing them by taking the best players at other positions. So when we look at these robust running back versus zero RB arguments, how much of it comes down to the format that you're playing? Because a 2-2 format without flexes is very different than one where you can play four or five wide receivers, or a half PPR, where... There are some formats, again, with enough flexes where people have used zero RB very effectively, in part because ADP gets to be so skewed. But I do think that you have to, as a zero RB uh, fan, realize that half PPR is not going to be nearly as potent, with the, the note that it does take down some of the most important running backs, too. But how much is format and how much is draft position in terms of how we should be discussing these two options and other options for 2021?
2: Yeah, I I've told plenty of people on on Twitter when when they're genuinely curious about zero RB and it's a, an alien concept to to a lot of people and so they'll ask, you know, here's the format of my league. Should I should I use zero RB or some some form of it? and sometimes I'll say no because like you said, standard scoring, meaning, you know, n- not even half PPR in a league where you only have to start two receivers and two running backs, you know, there's no there's no reason to 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 fade running back, uh, completely in the in the early rounds. You know you can kind of mix mix and match because the value of those wide of those pass catchers, uh, goes down a bit. It also goes down, like you said, for the Austin Ecklers and, and uh, Alvin Kamara's, as well. But uh, yeah, I I think you you do you do need to adjust. It's not it's not a one size fits all thing. But when there are flexes, when there are lots of flexes which I, I prefer. I mean, I, I love a league with lots of flexes, you know, you can go just to the wall with, with zero RB and, and it actually ends up sometimes, you know, depending on who you're drafting with look looking comical because you're just, you're just completely fading running back and you're and you're just, you're you're collecting all these uh, receivers. For instance, you know, last year there was a, I was in a league, um, with some fantasy analysts where I got um, Stefan Diggs as like my wide receiver five because it was just full of flexes uh, and I only had two running back spots. And I decided because of the way the draft was going, I said, I'm not, I'm forget, forget running back. I'm going all in on on receiver. And so you get Diggs as your wide receiver five and it's just, it's just ridiculous. Uh, But yeah, I mean, you, you you have to be cognizant of the format.
1: Yeah. The next thing that I guess that uh, everyone listening is going to want to know is who are some of the guys. And if you do go that zero RB approach, who are some of those guys that, or picking your interest in 2021.
2: Yeah, I mean, I I feel like I, you know, do PR for Gus Edwards at this point, um, and and his and you know his ADP is getting uncomfortably high. Um, you know, it, it's two months ago you could, I, even a month ago you could get him in the 11th, 12th round in best ball drafts, and now I find him, I'll have him queued up in the ninth round, and he he's gone. Uh, so people are you know people are savvy fantasy drafters are, are way savvier today than they were even 5 years ago, even 3 years ago. Uh so you know Edwards is one I want to say Jamal Williams but like I tweeted today Jamal Williams has an 8th round ADP. So I don't Yes, yeah, getting too high. <laughs> I don't know what's going on with, with his ADP? I thought I could get him in the 13th. Uh you know and and uh, J- you know James Connor was and is sort of depending on where where he's going i think a, a good a good pick um you know i've seen him go in the 10th round i think that's i think that's reasonable those are those are three guys and, and then of course you know like anybody who could end up with early down uh running back duties in the new england offense is, is someone i want including um, stevenson whose adp hasn't really moved that much are
3: there some guys who are getting pushed down as these players you mentioned rise should we be looking at any of the pass catching running backs, for example? Are they going down to to let some of these guys come up, or, or not really?
2: Yeah, I actually wanted to uh, pick pick your your guys' brains about uh, about Gio Bernard as a late round, uh, you know, dart throw, maybe more than a dart throw. Um, I, I I think that you know him signing with Tampa has been a, a little bit underplayed, including by by me at first. I just uh, whatever, you know, it's Gio Bernard. But if he truly does like take over as the main pass catcher in a Tom Brady offense, we've seen that that role be great for fantasy with with James White in particular and Rex Burkhead uh, to to an extent. Um, you know, so if Bernard truly d- does take over that role, I, I, I like him a lot. It also dings Fournette tremendously. Uh, you know, his both his floor and, and and his upside. So is it is Bernard someone that you're targeting at all?
1: i seen in the MFL 10 of death as well, you did pick him up in the, the 16th round. Like we're getting into, like he's a forgotten about man at this point. Um, if we look about what he's done throughout his career, he's been extremely consistent as a pass catcher. And I think you've mentioned, like uh, we're probably reminiscing as well a little bit about, you know, the Danny Wood heads of the world and, and things like that there. But um, James White, for example, those guys have had huge, huge value with Tom Brady. I think he's instantly the best pass catcher at the running back position on that offense and I think that is going to have to hold value and on you know I'd be shocked if this stays if this ADP holds as we get closer and closer to the season like but anything I think after the 12th round rhythm is going to be going to be a value I don't know if Sean agrees
3: I think that Bernard is somebody you have to get in in every league that you can I think I like him better than the the players that you mentioned earlier because he, he was always underutilized in Cincinnati. Now I know that last year his numbers as a rusher were pretty poor, and he is getting older. And those are things that we have to be aware of. But his talent level compared to a James White, you know, maybe even quite a bit higher. I- again, you have that question of you know now versus five years ago, perhaps. But like you said, it just Ronald Jones, one of my favorite players. I think that what currently has happened there makes him a very difficult pick until very late. Leonard Fournette, you have that question of with what happened in the playoffs, you know, does he actually push out both guys or do they squeeze him to where he has almost nothing. And that's one of the reasons that these running back discussions I think are interesting. And one of the things too about zero RB is that it's not a thing where we don't like running backs. It's a, we love these conversations about some of the later guys and think that they also deserve their due. Just because they're being drafted later doesn't mean that they're not really cool exciting NFL players and you think about some of the guys like a Cohen like a Bernard maybe like a Philip Lindsay although he hasn't caught a ton of passes and now it's really crowded there in Denver one of the things that I, I do like to encourage people and it's not that it's going to always work out for you is that the difference between some of those players who are going really late and an Austin Eckler may not be very much now that's not to criticize Eckler who I think is, is a fantastic reality player. You know, much more athletic, maybe, than people realize. Just a, a true star who the difference between him and guys like McCaffrey and Kamara maybe is less than people realize. But some of this stuff is situational. You have some of these quote pass catching backs who are extraordinary athletes. And if things broke right for them, you know, they're going to score a lot of points. And people are also going to realize that they're excellent reality players. I mentioned Cohen. I had taken him in the 15th round, you know, a difficult choice between him and Bernard. With him coming off of the injury, not having a great year the previous season, Montgomery having the fast finish to last year, and now maybe some quarterback questions. I don't know, you know, how much of a rushing quarterback Fields will be at the NFL level, but there's always a little bit of that concern that that really can hurt the pass catching running backs. Is is Cohen someone we should have our eyes on at all, or do those negatives really push him down to really like the last round kind of thing?
2: Yeah, I, I'm I'm cool on on Cohen. I um. If I if I get a Bears running back at all, it's 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 usually uh, Damian Williams. But um, yeah, I think his struggles the year before his injury are a little bit are, are a little bit concerning. But you know, like his ADP, it's not like you're paying any anything for him. You know, he's he's available very late. So in a, in a in a league like MFL Ten of Death, I think you you end up taking. Has he been drafted? I don't know, but I, I think that he he's a viable pick in that kind of format. If I could backtrack real quick to the Bucks backfield, Bruce Arians was on and off livid about the running back pass catching last year. Um, both, both Fournette and Jones. I mean, Jones was horrendous in, in, in the past game and it, it really, it cost him. It cost him a lot of playing time. A lot of opportunity it was really unfortunate. Um, you know, and, and Fournette was, was good in the postseason when he became, what was it? Lombardi Lenny, but, uh, yeah, before after he became playoff Lenny uh you know but but uh, I think that it's a, it was a it was an area of need that Bruce Arians identified several times last year and into the off season, and so you know when they signed Gio Bernard I think that that was a, a signal oh okay this is the guy who's going to fill that that need
1: I think that's interesting um I'm I'm all aboard. Let's uh, hope that the ADP isn't just going to start shooting, <laughs> shooting up after this. Maybe we should cut this portion out <laughs> of the, the podcast. But uh, in terms of the last question before we get wrapped up, in terms of structural drafting in 2021, you mentioned about, and Sean's mentioned this a lot about, how much information is out there for fantasy drafters, how much smarter they're getting year on year. What edges do you th- still think are there in terms of structural drafting?
2: Um, yeah. That's a good question. Uh, and, and like I said, uh, a couple minutes ago, I mean, people are savvy. It's just, it's, it's strange to watch because um, you know, when I first started doing fantasy analysis in, in 2012, people were not, sa- they were not savvy. They didn't, didn't know how to draft a the team. They didn't know anything, anything about structural drafting, including myself. Okay. I'm, I'm lumping myself in uh, to this, to this group. And and now it's it's different. People people are on on to news. They're on to uh, like the Jamal Williams news. You know, uh, Anthony Lynn says he's the a back, and suddenly he jumps three rounds. Like that's you know that is probably an overreaction, but still you know it, people recognize what's happening. I, I I do think that the I think one key uh, edge is that running back dead zone. Um, I I still believe just from being logged on to Twitter 24 hours a day um i'm, I'm making i'm making up for for Sean's absence okay i have to i have to do double time on twitter um you know but uh you know being logged on and, and seeing people say oh like i can i can get that first round running back production with this third round back or with this fourth round fifth round whatever uh i i do and and the 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 numbers don't bear that out Yeah, just simply put they don't bear that out so i think that that's an edge people can still get
3: and before we let you go, um, you mentioned the PR element a couple times. You gave us an answer earlier that was fantastic. Do one more big PR push for zero running back for us while you're on the show, and then also tell us, you know, why uh, listeners should buy the NBC Sports Edge Draft Guide.
2: Absolutely, yeah. Um, well, the, you know, the, the PR problem is is that you there there are so many caveats. There not so many, but there are caveats for zero RB. But I, I think that. Stressing the, the the concepts behind a zero RB build are the way to win people over and to show people to show people the way. You know, I feel like you know the uh, you know religious scuba here, but you know it's, it's, you know you you do you do want to have people uh, get the concept rather than rather than provide them with a paint by numbers way to approach it. Um, and the the concept that your team gets better as the unpredictable, as the known unknowns happen, as chaos ensues, your team improves from that. I think that that's, a, that's the biggest selling point because people, people get that concept because every year that happens. Every year we, we, we end up chasing guys, you know, running backs on the waiver wire who were afterthoughts, not even thoughts in the preseason. And suddenly they're started in every 12 team league in, in the world. Um, and, and that's because of the chaos that ensues in backfield. So if you can convince people, hey, like your team can get better as things go haywire, I, I think they can they can buy in on that. Yeah, I agree. If you just have to look,
1: I was just looking at some ADP when you were talking, like Mike Davis, for example, James Robinson, all these guys like just spring to mind before last season were Pretty much easy pickup, so we'll see the same this season, no doubt. But uh, it's going to be interesting. It's been great, uh, Danny, having you on. The one thing you forgot to mention there from Sean's question was the draft guide. We uh, we won't let you forget.
2: Man, you you guys, you guys are doing a better job than me talking about (laughs) my the company's product here. Uh, Yeah, NBC Sports Edge Draft Guide will be in stores this summer. We're putting the finishing touches on it now. Lots of uh, uh, really good analysis on how to approach various drafts. You know, seasonal auction uh dynasty best ball uh we we have everything in it so check it out
1: once again thanks to denny for coming on the show a lot of fun talking with him make sure you're following him on twitter at cdcarter carter 13 you won't regret it uh, especially if you like some zero rb takes it's a uh, it's a great account to follow along uh, always good uh, to see what's going on with Denny. Um, As always, uh, you know, at the end of the show, I like to let you know some of the things we've got going on. We are going to have our Scott Fishbowl giveaway that's going to be running over the next two weeks. We're hoping to have Scott on then uh, just shortly after that to help announce the winner. All you have to do is rate and review the podcast on your favorite podcast app and also give us a retweet of the the tweet that I will be sharing on Twitter for the contest. You'll be able to spot it there. I'm sure I'll be retweeting it a lot of times, so it'll not be too hard to find that one as always when we get ready to wrap up the show as well uh, we will be having a third show this week that will come out on saturday uh, so be sure to check your feed to have a listen to that as always you can get a 10 percent discount to a Rotoviz nfl pass all you have to do is enter the code rv radio 2021 at checkout or go to rotaviz.com forward slash podcast for additional information with all that done and dusted once again our guest today was cd carter uh, sean siegel is my co-host here on the podcast check out sean's great work up on Rotoviz com. My name is Colin Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. And until we're back on Saturday with another podcast, have a good one. Thank you for listening to Overtime and Rotovis Radio. Please rate and review the Rotoviz Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. You can contact us via email at rotovisradio at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at Rotovis Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz with a discount through the Roto-Viz Radio homepage, rotovis.com forward slash podcast.